0: The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to one 909 Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencers Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome back to another whiz-bang episode of The Influencers Edge. We have a marvelous guest who happens to be something of a friend of mine. She's a genius, absolutely Brilliant, as the Brits say, at what she does. Brilliant, brilliant. And she's got an English accent, which I'm a sucker for English accents. Can you do a fake American accent?
1: Oh my gosh, no. <laughs>
0: all right. So I want you all to welcome Lily. To learn. <laughs> Lily, uh, thank you for gracing the influencer's edge with your presence and your genius. I'm going to dive a little bit into your biography. One of the things I always do is interrupt myself when I'm reading the biography. By the way, as you can see, this is not my regular surroundings, but they're doing construction. So I had to move where people could hear your words. So Lily Walford is an international dating and relationship coach. And you're wondering what does that have to do with the influencer's edge? We're gonna get there, don't worry. Who has helped countless high achievers find and enjoy lasting love with her bespoke. That's an English word, not an American word. What does bespoke mean?
1: bespoke it means um personalized or tailored
0: oh, okay with her personalized and tailored solutions and sophisticated psychological approach we're going to get into that we have a mutual brand slash mentor she's become a trusted resource for those seeking to elevate their levels however that's not the whole story your business i believe is called love with intelligence mm-hmm. but it doesn't just mean being smartly mcbartley you happen to have training in tradecraft, in spycraft, correct?
1: <laughs> correct? Correct.
0: Correct. Well, our last guest who I had talked to recruited spies and, and I've had spies on the show and we love this. So let's get in. Before we get into trade cra- into finding love, let's talk about your training in tradecraft, what that means to you, and then how you mapped it over into helping people find genuinely lasting, loving relationships. So... Tell us about tradecraft, and you don't look like a spy. I don't think you. But then you wouldn't be able to tell me. You'd have to have me killed if you. If you want <laughs> to. <see. laughs> so let's I talk about it. tradecraft and, and what that is, and your exposure to it.
1: Yeah. So obviously, we we have a mutual friend, Chase Hughes. Um, I found his work. I think it was back in 2019. And I remember just being absolutely fascinated, just just learning about how you can read people at this in-depth level. It's like all of a sudden you've been given the key to literally unlock anyone um, and identify their dreams, identify their their biggest fears within sort of like six minutes or less. And it made me realize like how many people um, really don't know how to connect also don't know how to trust their own judgment and also how to know if someone has their best interests at heart. So uh, for me, learning um, all, all the behavioral profiling in the body language really helped me to understand my own love life, what I was looking for in a partner, how to find love for, for myself, which then I mapped over to be able to help other people to do the same.
0: So here's the key word, you mapped it over. Not everyone can do that. I mapped over seduction into subconscious selling and maybe it's manipulation. I like the word manipulation. So what was your process? And then I'm gonna stick a pin on another question I wanna ask you. But what was your process of mapping it over? Because that's not easy. That requires some serious gunpowder here, some serious brains.
1: (laughs) I think for me, I kind of had that added motivation so when I was 19 I actually went through a psychopathic narcissistic relationship and I'm not talking about the buzzword you know psychopath or narcissist because I think that word gets thrown about like just so often especially uh, in this I like, said
0: period. that about me yes go I
1: really, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness so yeah so basically it it made me really, really want to sort of focus on making sure that I met the right person. And also, I think when you go through kind of those relationships, you, you want to learn who you can actually trust. Because the thing is about love, just in general, is you need to be able to fully connect. And you also need to be able to trust someone. And I think with learning things like the 6 max and being able to understand things like behavioural profiling, it made me realise, okay, this is something that you can use to understand if you can trust someone or not, because you can understand what drives them. You can understand what's motivating them, what they're looking for, what they're thinking, what their, their fears are, if there is alignment there with you, whether that's business, whether that's relationships or anything else. So I think it was, for me, it was more about understanding the truth of who someone is. And I think when you can get to the truth of who someone is, you can actually ask yourself the question, okay, is this person aligned with me? And again, you know, that's not just relationships. That's with everything, friendships, business, you know, family, you know, everything.
0: So here's the question. Mm-hmm. when you speak, you trust this person surely trust is contextual it depends on what context that you're in so let's unpack that just a little bit
1: mm-hmm. okay so I think with trust it's oh okay there's so many different layers to this because <laughs> like you said it's so I well- told you
0: I told you I asked different questions <laughs> I and you're brilliant so you're up to it
1: uh, so I think with, with trust, it's all about understanding what people's main motivators are. So what are they motivated um, towards? And I think the, the biggest tell, tell signs of motivation is how someone wants to be perceived. Ah. So... <laughs> right? So going a little bit deeper, if we start understanding the context of someone's identity and the role that they're playing within their life, you can start to identify what their behavioral patterns will be, you know, in any kind of context of their life.
0: So you're teaching this in the context of love. Let's unpack that for a minute. So if I'm sitting there over drinks with a lovely lady Am I going to be worrying in my, how do I word the wheels of, hmm, how can I, what are their main ideas? What are their values? At the same time, relax and enjoy myself in the interaction. There's only so much real estate and consciousness. So how do you teach your clients to relax and enjoy while at the same time doing their profiling work?
1: Okay. So uh, there was a big lesson that another one of my amazing mentors um, taught me um, a guy called Chris Hadnagy I mean I freaking like one of the guys I really love him in as a mentor is just him because I just think his ethics and morals and values are just spot on um, so one thing he shared with me was being able to really understand your own values and to really understand your own belief system because when you have that in context and when you've got that like really, um, I was trying to think of the words now, <laughs> just basically really solidified within yourself, you can understand very quickly if someone's aligned with you or not. And I think the problem with most people is that they don't understand what their values are. They don't understand what they want in their life. They don't understand. yeah. And it's like, well, if you've got all these different things like the profiling, you don't know what you want, you don't know what you're looking for and all these different things that you, you're always going to have the Zygonic effect going on in the background where you've got all these open loops <laughs> where it's going to be really hard to focus on what you're actually looking for within that person.
0: So, 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 I'm sorry, I don't want to step on your answer. Do continue, unpack it.
1: Yeah, so I think if you have a... a uh, a really good understanding of what your values are, what your beliefs are, what your goals are, when it comes to love, you can start to really identify very quickly if someone's aligned with you or not. And then the behavioral profiling is just an added lens to be able to say, okay, is this person being truthful about their beliefs and their values? So it doesn't become this lens that you've constantly got to look through. It becomes a lens that you can suddenly go, okay, I'm noticing this alignment. Is, there the tr- is this truth, you know, is this um, true? So you can start to use the behavioral profiling and start having a look at that alignment. So you can start to solidify your judgment within that person.
0: I love this. You're very, very smart. Prior to meeting you, I, was, I know your partner. I love your partner. I'm getting his ass on my show.
1: Right?
0: Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Your, your partner helps people who have been abused by cults cult and recover from that and that's a really remarkable thing i could see the one-on-one between being in an abusive romantic relationship and being in an abusive uh cult
1: there's a lot of crossover yeah love A lot
0: bombing, of- love bombing the first phase and then but i'll get into that when i'm <laughs> going to have him on my show i'm going to have him on yeah. my show do it <laughs> All right, so let's map this over if you if we could So you're going to teach people how to align their, know what their values are. What does that process look like? Because that's going to take, excuse me, out. That's going to take some, that's going to take some work.
1: Exactly. Because I think this is the big journey that everyone has. It's all about getting to the truth of who you are. It's literally that. And I don't mean just like the whole fluffy stuff of going, oh, what would you like and what your goals are and this, that and the other. I'm talking about unpacking trauma, unpacking childhood stuff, unpacking all the stuff where you've got all this conditioning of what you believe a relationship should be or love should be or the way that you should be as a person. Um, uh, Because that has so much to do with the type of behavior patterns that people go through when it comes to relationships and picking the same kind of partner over and over again (laughs) Um, and also self-sabotaging patterns that people tend to experience in relationships as well Um, because often again that tends to be a behavioral pattern that's learned through the identity that we end up you know picking up as a child Um, I I don't know whether whether you've um, stepped across the motivational intelligence um, research yet
0: No, I have not. I know a lot about unpacking trauma because, you know, I used to deal with 50 year old virgins and you can't think of someone who's more traumatized than that. And then I've also looked at somatic experiencing and some other somatic based therapies. And and my Mm -hmm. understanding has come to be that life is inherently traumatic, both chronically and um, uh, acutely.
1: Exactly, and I think this is the thing. Most people don't realise what trauma is, and I think there's there's so there's so much to unpack around this just this topic alone. (laughs) Um, But I'm thinking even just down to um, emotional abuse people often don't know what that actually looks like. You know, when we think about emotional minimizing and all these different things, that can have an effect on identity too. But kind of circling back a little bit to motivational intelligence, because I think you'll find this fascinating. It's actually research that has won a Nobel prize. And it's basically geared um, to identify what the makings are of a successful person. So this research literally goes into what is the identity of a successful person and how do you create that? And I think, you know, success is, again, it's one of these things that gets mapped over. It it gets mapped over to love life. It gets mapped over to career. It can be mapped over to different areas of life because, again, it's an identity. It's not something where you just go, OK, I'm just going to be successful in this part of my life. So. The interesting part about this, again, it kind of comes back to this level of childhood and the way that your parents would actually manage mistakes. So uh Yeah.
0: Well, pause button. Well, and,
1: yes, okay, so maybe you go, whoa, pause, that's good.
0: Pause, 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 because this is not what we're hurt we're It's the way they manage how they relate to you emotionally, whether they give you permissions, but you're saying it's the way in which they manage the stakes.
2: Yes.
1: Yes.
0: I can't, I've never heard (laughs) this before. So (laughs) you got to unpack this a little, Lily.
1: Okay. I, I want you to think about like some people's internal dialogue. Okay. How many people have that really critical um internal dialogue like oh gosh I should not have said that I shouldn't have done this I shouldn't have done that but well, when we map it back all it is is their their parents voice in the background so it's their parents critical voice or their judgments or their beliefs or their values in the background literally you know coming up as this internal dialogue so often with any internal dialogue you can almost go okay so which parent said that or which parent's voice can you hear that in <laughs> so, when we have a look at um, a childhood example, so let's say, you know, the unsuccessful child, you know, they accidentally knock over a glass of milk. And all of a sudden, you've got the dad standing there going, oh, for goodness sake, you know, walk, you know, start stomping off. The mum being completely hectic and trying to mop up the milk and going, right, okay, you're not having any more. And it's kind of this punishing, demoralizing experience.
0: Okay. Right? I understand when I spilled my milk. My mom had an incredibly fast left jab. She could time it so that it landed just when the milk spilled on the table. It was it was a thing of beauty.
1: Wow, impressive. <laughs> so with a successful child, what you would actually find is when the milk would, you know, when the milk um, would spill over the table, it would be, oh, whoopsie daisy. Don't worry, you didn't mean to do that. Right, let's mop that up. Let's pour another glass, right? We're just going to push it back a little bit further away so you can't knock it this time. And that's it. So if you think about the internal dialogue of each child, you've got one that's learning self-compassion and one that's not.
0: (laughs) I would not think a partner who did not. uh, My assumption, I'm just making the logical connections. If you don't Mm -hmm. have self-compassion, you cannot have emotional stability. Because you're back. Be rocketing back it's almost like someone who has um, borderline personality disorder where they're rocketing back and forth between hating themselves loving themselves hating you hating yes. them, loving you etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: exactly and the and the thing the elements that happen in just relationships alone in that kind of dynamic is huge I mean I'll go, <laughs> I'll go into that in a moment um but yeah when you start understanding things like self-compassion i believe personally from uh, my research the work that i've done the work i've experienced is that you need to be able to have that level of compassion subconsciously to be able to overcome trauma yeah because when you're overcoming the critical side of yourself with that level of compassion it's easier to to dispel any of those negative emotions I, and I think a big part of a lot of people's journey is actually having that level of compassion for themselves for what they've experienced, and also for being okay with what they want. I think that's where a lot of people tend to get stuck.
0: <laughs> okay, you, there's so much here. We got to <laughs> putting three. I'm, I can, you know, I know. Opening and closing loops. Having done NLP for 30 years, so I can juggle some balls here. But there's right, good, okay. First of all, speaking into the point of having compassion, this uh, for yourself. This is just a personal revelation confession. NLP, which is incredibly valuable. I've had Richard Bandler on the show. Yes. He's an incredible genius and changed my life. NLP made me super powerful, super persuasive, super seductive, but it never made me one ounce more compassionate
2: Mm.
0: for others. Well, I was compassionate with my students because I'd suffered the same thing they suffered, but outside of that, no. It was only when I started meditating with the Buddhist practice of metta, compassion for self and others, that that showed up. Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yes go ahead sorry i thought you would finished
0: <laughs> no, no but again i want to press into this point speaking to the point of compassion having compassion for your mistakes allows you to look at your behavior and to handle i would suppose criticism from your partner loving criticism or, or even not but to be able to go wait a minute at the moment i'm feeling this but what i'm hearing contains some truth let me back up ask for some space so I can consider it. And so are you teaching skills of emotional regulation?
1: Uh, yeah, you kind of need that in a relationship. When you know someone so freaking well, you know which buttons to press, you need that.
0: <laughs> because I've found in my personal experience, it's a skill that's not discussed what to say taught. It just isn't. Right, It just is not. And I can see how this applies in in business when you're going to select a partner for your business. They better be emotionally regulated and be able to hear feedback. And also talk, speak into it. You're a very successful entrepreneur. Talk about how you apply this in your team because you could not be where you are. You've got a team of people. I know this. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, oh, goodness, where on earth, to, where on earth do I begin? Like, there's it's so much to unpack.
0: Yeah.
1: <gasps> okay, so when it came to um, hiring all members of my team, and they all know this, <laughs> the biggest telltale sign for me was whether, you know, in terms of whether I was going to hire them or not, was did I come off the interview feeling high as a kite or did I feel completely deflated? Because that gave me an idea of where their energy levels were, where their emotional intelligence was, and also their inspiration for what I I do, whether it was something that actually really reached them. And I think that's something that's so important in a team. If you've got people who come together and you are literally lifting each other up in that awesome, energetic kind of way, you want more of that. You want to be able to enjoy that and you want to be able to bring your best to that, Um, uh, which that was something that was just super, super important to me when it came to building my team. Um, The other thing that I absolutely love <laughs> I was gonna say, and a little bit hate, but no, I don't. I really love it. Is their ability to feel comfortable with giving feedback? Like if any time that someone goes, Do you know what? I really don't like what you've put here, or I really don't like this thing on the website, can we change that? It's like, yeah, I'm so glad that they've they they bring something up and there's that openness to be able to bring that up. A little bit like a relationship too. You can't have um, yes. you know, openness if you're going, well, I think it's fine. And you're literally shutting down the conversation, or being defensive, or anything like that. So, it's it's things like that, it's it's realizing that it's looking. Sorry, my mind is going in so many different directions. It's looking. Yeah, but
0: it's
1: like it is like realizing the uh, or being very intentional about the environment that you're creating for people to step into. And it's protecting that as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I could see how this would apply to see a lot of the people listening to the show are CEOs, business owners, and they're not getting this. They're not getting that they have to create a corporate culture or a business culture that encourages even rewards that kind of feedback. It can be interrupted feedback, which is fine. All the members of my team are instructed they're understanding, I don't like the word orders, but standing instructions to correct me, to say, hey, I think this sucks or the idea is really off base. Yes. And if they really point out a big error, I'll bonus them, I'll reward them. <laughs> <Catch> them.
1: <laughs> right?
0: I want it's, to reinforce that behavior and that insight.
1: It's so important. It's so, so important. And I think as well, you know, trusting people's zones of genius. Like okay, the people that I've employed are, you know, people who are so good at their craft that I'm able to trust their judgment better than mine because I know that they know exactly what they're doing. And it's being able to give people not just the space, but the the um, I can't even think the freaking word. The springboard, the springboard of any kind of resources, time, or anything like that, that they need to be able to do a fantastic job. Um, uh, because the other thing that I do is I tend to employ people who are, are so motivated to be the best selves They've got vision. Like each one of my um, employees, they've got a vision to be able to be the best at what they can be, you know, best at what they can do.
0: And I don't think that's trainable. They either come to that way or they don't. Yes,
1: and that comes back again from the motivational intelligence.
0: Talk about it. You can't can't leave that dangling like that.
1: So obviously we've we've spoken a little bit about like the childhood influences around that, but you can also reinforce that within um, your team as well. And the biggest thing around that is being able to say to someone, I believe in you. Because often when people we've, we've, we've all gone we've all gone through experiences where we lose faith or we believe we, we lose um, belief within ourselves. Yes. And so. I remember yeah, and I remember ha- having a coach who shared this with me and I, I freaking love it, is that sometimes you have to borrow someone else's belief. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> um it was one of my uh first business coaches her name's amanda davies um uh, and i just freaking love that quote um uh yeah sometimes you need to borrow someone else's belief and i think that's again something that's really important to be mindful of in a team you know you need to be able to show that you believe in your team like how different do you respond when you've got someone going you know what i really believe in you i really believe that you can do that
0: Yeah, being a big baby, I Um, being a big baby, any romantic partner has to to occasionally pat me and go, I believe in you, I know you can
2: do it.
1: (laughs) So important, and and like, um, you know, even coming back to like the whole thing around, you know, any kind of, any form of relationship, whether it's business, whether it's romantic, if you're leading with, do you know what you did a really crap job at that, you need to do this, you need to do that, and do you know what you didn't do enough there? Like, what does that do to a relationship, to a business relationship, to employees? You're literally like flattening people <laughs> from being able to be them best, their best selves. And also coming back to that trauma thing, it's coming back, it's like literally feeding that internal dialogue of them seeing themselves as a negative version of themselves which is not good and you're not going to get the best out of them that way
0: wow i just that's just there's so much value back here it's just you just put my brain on pause <laughs> <laughs> that's really
1: keep up i <laughs> huh? a keep up
0: <laughs> keep up keep going right well, What's the word? <laughs> Duff me up a treat, or duck me up a treat, or
1: I have not heard of that one. <laughs> right.
0: That's pretty- one. It's before your time. It's Monty Python. Oh,
1: oh gosh! Say that to and Jarn would love that.
0: All right, okay, I will. He's gestured like he's listening to the interview, like he's right there over your shoulder.
1: Well, yeah, he's gonna be somewhere over there, whether it's upstairs or in the the living room. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> Get back to this notion of having a partner, whether it's romantic, whether it's a business, who knows their values. That's that is one thing to say it. It's another thing to have a, a process to go about finding it and to mm-hmm. get out of your own bullshit and say, well, this are my values and uh, these are my values. When in reality, that's projecting the way you want people to see you or the way ideally you'd like to see yourself but it's not at all which values are. So what is the process for, first of all, how do you romantically, let's say romantically for for starters, find out which partner's values are without seeming to interrogate them, without your potential partner. You don't wanna make it an interrogation. So you don't wanna talk about yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't wanna make it an interrogation or you're out. And you don't want to make it a boring exchange of data or you're out. It's what I teach the nerd boys when I'm wearing my seduction hat. So how do you find this out without interrogating interrogating them?
1: Yeah, listen to what they're naturally gravitating towards talking about and also look at whether their actions align with that. Because I think it's like you said, it's one thing to be able to, to say that, oh yes, my values are this. But it's another to be able to follow through with that. So it's kind of like listing someone saying, Oh, do you know what? I really love um people. And then they've just suddenly been rude to like a waiter or waitress. It's like, right. yeah, you know what? There's a there's a disconnect there. if is
0: that would you say, okay, they're off my list if you see one disconnect, just single disconnect. Oh
1: no, it's gotta be constant, yeah, consistent, yeah. We all have five days.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> no,
1: thank you for bringing out that question.
0: <laughs> so,
1: and I think the other thing is what I tend to really, really love asking people if I wanted to get like a ton of information is basically something on the lines of what are you passionate about? Hmm. Because often that brings out a lot of a lot of information um, uh, about that person you're often asking her a question that they're not used to being asked, so there's a little bit of novelty to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and also there's that space to go deeper, and it's all about that person.
0: Oh, I like that. I tend to ask questions like uh, "So when you want to do something, that makes you feel totally alive." Yes and get your heart beating hard, so hard. <laughs> time flies by, you got that, you got it.
1: I, I know it all, and i I've,
0: love I've... to do. And, and so it's much different than asking, what do you like to do for fun?
2: Right? And, the
0: other question, and, the other, and the other question I think is really interesting, particularly when someone's been doing something for a long, long time, the worst question you can ask is, how did you get started? Because they've heard, oh. I mean, yeah. but I think when I'm talking to someone like that if I ask you've been doing this for decades and you're still passionate about it as when you started how what is it about what you do that keeps you as passionate today 10 20 years later as when you started that requires a deeper dive
1: yes yeah and I think it's that it's creating the space for someone to be seen because when you're talking about topics in depth there's a level of vulnerability there. And I think what most people do in those kind of like really deep conversations, like again, whether it's business, romantic, is they shut someone down. How many times have you seen this on like dating programs or you've seen it in like the boardroom or anything like that, where it's like, do you know what, that's a stupid idea. Why did you think that? That's ridiculous. And you literally just see someone who's just opened up being completely shut down and they close up so you, you lose out on the information gathering stage but you also lose out on that intimacy of that conversation too that connection that people crave
0: now with regard to this thing of being the same
2: mm-hmm.
0: I've experienced that everyone on the one hand craves it but a lot of people are scared shitless of it because they think if you see me don't you see what a piece of? I remember this when I was in high school. I really, really liked the woman. I was treating her well. She said, "Can't you see what a piece of shit I am?" Uh, well, what are you talking about? That's not what I see at all, as you Brits would say. The call, call. love it.
1: Yeah, I think it's just even talking from experience. There's something. So interesting about being fully seen. Cuz I remember like <laughs> going back when Joe and I first met. Um it took it took us about a year of friendship before we actually fully got together.
0: And I oh, think wow. I would yeah. not have that patience. <laughs>
1: But yeah, it was, it was really interesting because it was probably, he was definitely the first person where I felt like, do you know what, I can be human in front of you. And yeah, all my different relationships and things like that, I'd never had that experience. And I think it wasn't so much, I think people expect that, 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 that aspect of relationship is on their partner. And it's like, yeah, I'd probably say it's probably at 30%, 40% on their side to be able to create that space. But the truth is a part of that journey is actually being comfortable enough with yourself and being like in that place where it's like, okay, I fully accept myself. I fully accept my strengths. I fully accept my weaknesses. I fully accept the things that that I need to work on and I'm accountable for all that. And I think a lot of people are so afraid of acknowledging those parts of themselves. I think there's kind of like, (laughs) there's like levels to this. There's the levels of self-awareness, of going, okay, this is who I am. Then there's a level of the grappling of actually feeling comfortable and accepting that. And then there's actually taking action to be able to say, okay, I need to work on this. So these are parts of me that I need to work on in order to actually you know, get to the point where I want to in life. So it's that that goal of identity and that goal of what your life looks like at that point.
0: How did you battle through the discouragement of all these psychos or not just incompatible people before you met Jonathan? Oh, it must have been a difficult journey. It couldn't have been easy. It, Maybe it was Maybe you enjoyed it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got that crazy nature in me. No. I I think, yeah, so sort of looking back, would I change any of it? No. Because it's really helped me to understand myself, but understand the mental process of what people go through when they go through, you know, psychopathic narcissistic relationships, because there is like literally a mental pattern that people tend to go through. <laughs> That if you haven't gone through those types of relationships, you would not be able to understand. So, I mean, I've been on calls with people before now, and literally within five minutes, I pretty much have everything nailed. Like where it's like, okay, I bet you experienced this. I bet you've gone through that. You know,
0: and I they get feel nauseous. My body tells me I'm not joking. Right? The presence Of someone who's a narcissist, I get physically nauseous within like ten minutes. My body gets nauseous. It tells me to go away i don't know have you experienced that where you get physically ill or physically there's a physical reaction when you're around someone like that
1: yeah yeah yeah. the interesting part around this um uh, oh yeah there's there's a book that i really recommend number one um and that's called the gift of fear and that book was oh it's just so good i think it's gavin de that wrote the book just brilliant book recommend recommend everyone should read it The other thing is, we are taught from a young age to ignore our judgment about
0: people. Ignore what?
1: Our judgment about people.
0: Fascinating. Or told, give them the benefit of the doubt. Whereas I go into investigative mode.
1: But this comes back to childhood again. We've all gone through those things of like when we're kids, where it's like, oh, do you know what? Um, I don't know, I'm going to think of a random person like... um, say uncle tim <laughs> just a random you know and, and a child goes okay i really don't like uncle tim and the parents will go well, don't be silly he brought you a lovely christmas present now go ahead, go and say hello so just through that interaction you're teaching that child you're wrong that judgment's wrong now go and be nice to that person yes and that's what you tend to see People are taught to ignore that judgment. The interesting thing is, I mean, um, obviously, you know that Joanne deals a lot with religious cults. We went through an absolute binging session watching everything about the Nixium cult or Nexium cult.
0: Did too. What a son of a bitch bastard! He got 120 years in prison. He's in a supermax prison with some yep. other famous, other super famous criminals, and I hope he rots.
1: I mean the fact that he managed to influence was the 16,000 people that went through the programs and stuff it's crazy but one of the documentaries that I watched about one of the ladies that ended up in one of the closest circles at the top you know in the cults she was actually saying that when she was going through some of the um manipulation tactics that she was experiencing she would actually feel physical pain um in her gut where her body was literally saying you need to get out you need to you need to run this is not right (laughs) and you know so it's amazing that not just our minds communicate this stuff it's our bodies as well but yeah it's being able to trust all that you know they always say trust your gut and usually it's like 95 percent right it's
0: very very true Uh, her name i watched that same series her name is india oxenberg i believe
1: you've got it that's the one yeah
0: (laughs) tell me a little bit i asked my last guest robin Drake. i said and i've asked this of my niece vanessa Ben edwards you know vanessa's work
1: i do yeah she's awesome
0: Uh, i'm gonna see her this week i i've asked them both could you be who you are today successful in your business if it weren't for your partner and they uh, i mean your romantic partner your spouse and they said no way absolutely yeah. so i put the same question to you without jonah in your life could you be as successful as you are today or enjoy- I, I,
1: yeah no way I And mean, it's, it's really interesting because over the last few days we were really reflecting about our journey and I actually feel a little bit emotional just even thinking about this.
0: Um, That's what a
1: job is to. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't cry. I'm going to literally look like mad Yeah. But yeah, like looking over, I mean, we've been together four years. And when we first got together, we literally lived in a one bedroom, um, one bathroom, tiny little place, both self employed. How on earth we didn't kill each other within the first couple of years, I don't know. But when we first moved in, we moved it. We, we literally had nothing. Like when I say nothing, we had nothing. Joanna made me a a, a desk out of cardboard. There's a picture. We need to dig it out somewhere. That's sweet. <laughs> um, And we fast forward to today, and we live in a five-bedroom, four-bathroom barn conversion in the middle of the country.
0: Oh, i got to come visit, please. Do it, do it. I'm stuck (laughs) in a noisy city. I dreamt last night that I was in some beautiful uh, countryside place in Canada of all oh, places really? Please, i need to come visit
1: and oh dude dude we got we got we got the we space
0: we can do but- some joint seminar there
1: done yes i'm up for that <laughs>
0: really
1: well. yeah but it's just it's amazing you know we've just had you know we've even got people who help around the house like with like cleaners and stuff like that it's just like night and day from from where we started out and again yeah we wouldn't have been able to do that without each other we we yeah i
0: ordered you to help me find a partner like that because i'm done with the 20 year olds (laughs) (laughs) love
1: it there you go so when you when you come out you've got some work to do
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're not the only person who's told me that you're not wrong and you won't be the last one
1: there we go (laughs) <laughs> is he
0: there? Can he come downstairs and say hi for a minute, or is he busy?
1: Yeah. Do you want? Should I go and get him?
0: Yeah, go get him for a second. We'll pause the yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Bear with me. Are we going-
0: Well, suddenly a super handsome gentleman has joined our guest. Can you introduce this hunk of a human who's sitting
2: next to you, Lily?
1: Hunk of a human. This is Joan and Ross.
2: It sure. Jones, is. I love your last name. It's. Were you in London? About 30 years ago, by any chance. 30 years ago? Probably, yes.
0: Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't. That. <laughs> you are a clever one. So I asked your lovely lady the question Could you be as successful as you are? She's watching your face, a confirmation glance. This is what you call a confirmation glance, no. correct? <laughs> correct, Lily?
2: Okay.
0: In tradecraft. Um, i asked her could you be as successful as you are in your business without your partner and her what was your answer lily
1: Should i put the pressure on him. i said no yeah.
0: no no way so i asked you the same question could you be as successful in your business without your partner
2: no i think we've definitely there's that scripture isn't there about iron sharpening iron and i, I think there's definitely been that um pushing each other to level up not not necessarily as an intentional like accountability thing but just by osmosis Mm -hmm. and it's like it's not quite competitive but by by being in the presence of someone who themselves is continuing to uh, grow and learn and expand it, it it stops your own complacency i think
0: when she was first getting to know you were you, did you at all recognize that she was using Tradecraft? We should unpack what Tradecraft is. Tradecraft, uh, I learned it through my friend and Lily's friend, she's used. Oh, she,
2: she'd she been listening to this speed seduction stuff. She was she was throwing embedded commands at me left and right. Were you? Is that true? Or is he bullshitting me? <laughs> well, we, we met on a hypnosis course. So
1: originally, yes. yeah. Yeah yes that, that was a fun experience
0: did so did you detect that she was speaking to you in a different way than women who you because obviously by the looks of you you're a chick magnet you know a super stud he had no problems. so did was how soon did you detect that the way in which she communicated with you was different
1: well the fun part was actually is that it was oh, Joan? It's
0: amazing, that, it's amazing <laughs> that his voice is coming out of your lips. I don't
1: know, but I, I wanna, I wanna like. <laughs> <Ben> <laughs> oh, well. Basically, Joanna was the one who introduced me to Chase.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how many people I've introduced to Chase, but yeah, Lily was one of them. Okay, All right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we met. So, so it was more that um, she was seeing through me. So it wasn't so much what she was saying; it was that I was saying all my usual stuff, <clears throat> and she was kind of looking at me in this way. I was like, "Oh crap! My my magic spells aren't doing their usual thing," and no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so there's this this sense of uh, of uh, meeting an intellectual equal more so than uh, Is- but more so than it being a. Um, like, like her speaking in a certain way, it was like ah oh, she she's actually paying attention, not really? just to not just to what I'm wanting her to pay attention to, but she's actually seeing me.
0: It's a beautiful thing. It also makes me so filled with love for both of you, and it also makes me feel hopeless because there's no one who's my intellectual equal. Uh, <laughs> I'm working on so like
2: add them up. If you add, add them up, there you go. <laughs> I just
1: need a few.
2: <laughs> what? If you add up a few kind of IQs, then it, we may get close. It, it,
0: it doesn't really matter. This is so, I always like to switch it up. No podcast. I've never had a podcast where the partner comes down, but I know of your work and we're going to have you on the show and I'm in complete alignment with what you do. So we'll have you on the show. Lily, you have been brilliant. And I told Lily, I want to come to your wonderful uh, it's not a flat, it's a home, and do some kind of joint seminar with you guys.
2: Yeah. Love. Come to the party barn.
1: Party barn, yes.
0: Do you have, do you have animals in the party barn? Only Jonah. Only me. All right. And on that note, it's so good to see love and to see genius. Uh, Lily, thanks for being on the show. Jonah, reach yeah. out. We're going to have you on the show. And thank you for being on the Influencers Edge. Stay on Uh, because I want to chat with you guys a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, a killer interview by me of an unbelievable guest. That's what makes the show the show you will find yourself tuning into again and again. And we'll catch you on the other side. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411321. That's COMPEL to 411321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1. 909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack in sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on The Influencers Edge
2: Show.